Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're on your smart speaker, say, play ESPN. You can download the podcast. You can hit the app, one app, one tap. You know, all that. By the way, Jason Tatum is coming up. He's going to talk to us at 9.30 Eastern right here on ESPN Radio. Key, Jay, good morning, good morning. Morning to you. <laughs> Why are you in a singing mood? Because his toes are out again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they are out. I'm toes actually going to get them hit. I'm actually going to get them hit later on the day. Yeah. You, you don't get your toes done, do you, Max? When I lived in L.A., I would get a pedicure every now and a while. I would. So, but yeah, every no, I get no, I, I get it at least fine. once a week. I didn't get a chance to go yesterday, so I'm a, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna get him hit, Jay. You, you gotta get him hit. Yeah, man. come hey, on now. Can you get the clear polish or you get the buff? I get the buff. I don't okay. clear yeah, polish, polish on your buff. nails. Come on. No, no I buff them. I out. buff all myself, but I know grown men who get the polish. No, no, not me. Yeah, I just well, buff mine. It, let's just just keep it neat and clean, you know. <laughs> That's, you got to do it because, you know, in L.A., you got your toes out a lot. So, yeah, you know, can't you can't have all them nasty. Ashy, yeah. ashy feet and stuff, man. Yeah, no, yeah. Nails hands. all jagged and stuff. World-class fighter came in here. He had, he has fingernails painted. You didn't say anything about that. Well, he's allowed. He can do whatever he wants. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't say nothing about that, Keith. It's Uzman. No, he can do whatever he wants. Wait, it wasn't Uzman. You're thinking of um, uh, um, Adesanya. Oh, Adesanya, yeah. You don't want to antagonize yeah. some dudes that ain't all together. Fighters to me ain't all together. You leave them dudes alone, especially yeah. if it's the UFC. You leave them alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's something not. I mean, no, these guys are not like normal people. <laughs> exactly. Let yeah, them. Yeah. Let them be. Key, Whatever Max you looked at do. it, and he was like, "Nah." I see, In I fact, see. I'll paint your nails for you. <laughs> Jay, uh, Saturday. Way to bring me back down. Yeah, yeah. Yes. That's what we're here for. <laughs> Saturday. Coach K's final home game after a 42-year career, the greatest coach certainly in modern college basketball history. You were among his greatest players, number mm-hmm. retired in the rafters, two-time, two-time national champion. Sorry, two-time national player of the year plus a national champion, leader of the team. You go down there, you and all the Duke greats. Hanging too, Key. I had, I had, I had the, the good to kill in me before that game. Oh, so you know I was yelling, lost it my was, voice and everything. Yeah! Gonna be glorious. And then what happened? What what, what we, happened to your we, boys? We got smacked. But, but just tell what was the experience like though? Dope. Yeah. It's just like um I I'm sure Key has experienced a weekend like this at USC, like when all your former teammates come back, but you also get a chance to like Mike Jaminski, right? Like guy has his jersey retired. Like <laughs> hearing from old school players about how the program was compared to where the program is. And you know, everybody has their little say, right? Everybody has a Coach K story. Um, but I think for the most part, all of us being in the same area, getting a chance to, to really kick it was incredible. And, and getting a chance, honestly, like to be on the floor. Like I haven't been to Cameron Indoor Stadium in two and a half years since the pandemic. Mm. So just being on the floor, touching the floor, feeling that, seeing the environment, seeing the Cameron crazies but also to recognize how much things have changed, right? Like um, like seeing the talent on the court and people saying, well, this is one of the most talented teams we've had. But then when I'm in the stands, I'm looking at the 99 team, I'm like, damn, that was Elton Brand, Trajan Langdon, Corey Maggetti, you know, William Avery. Like, they had pros. I look at our team, I'm like, wow, we had Mike Dunleavy. We had Shane Battier, Carlos Boozer, myself. Um, you know, we had pros. Like, looking at this team, like, they have pros. It's just not the Paolo Bancaro is a pro, 
but it's not the same level of assassins we had on our teams back then. But, uh, yeah, it definitely wasn't capped off the right way. So y'all basically had the, whoever the top five all Duke players. What did you say? Y'all had 90, 90, 90 players? 90 players, yeah. And, Jay, and plus, like, I wish it could have been a show because if you guys could have heard the stuff coming out of J.J. Redick in my mouth, like we were sitting next to each other. Some of the things we were saying during that game is like, man, Key, we unleashed wonder, a lot. Uh, so was that atmosphere – I mean, obviously, you played in that arena, so the atmosphere was jacked up. But was last night, I mean, Saturday's atmosphere probably the most epic that you've seen in the arena? It was it was a Super Bowl-like feeling because the festivities outside of the reason, they were fa- typically around this juncture of the season, it's always going to be packed with students, right? You have Krzyzewskiville, which, you know, thousands of students camp out. They all stay in this quad area. But I'm just everything around Cameron. It felt it felt like I was in L.A. for the Super Bowl. Mm. That's what it felt like. There were all these at uh, ACC network was down there. Every major news network was down there. Fans just coming to. It was packed is outside watching the, the game outside. Is that why the kids laid an egg, Jay? Probably. I mean, it had to. It had to have something to do with it. I mean, the emotions yeah. were so high. You see, ninety former players. They're getting interviewed. It's uh, it's a Duke Carolina game is already an experience within itself, right. but that compounded with the fact this is la- this is Coach K's last home game ever of his career had to weigh in on those. Especially, games. yeah, you sit around, think about it, Max. If yeah. you're sitting around and you see Jay Williams, oh man, he's a living legend at Duke. Or you see, I don't know if Christian Leitner was there, but he was Christian Leitner or or. or um, Grant Hill, J. Grant J. Hill, or just J.J. Red. I mean, just all the different names. And you a kid, you know, 18, 19, 20-year-old dude, you're like, oh, man, I ain't never seen them before. Yeah. So you you, you out there on the court, even though you're supposed to be playing, paying attention to what Coach K is talking about, in the back of your mind, you try to figure out, damn, I missed that shot. I wonder if they saw that. Yeah, but you, what they should be thinking about, and does this fall on Coach K, by the way, what they should be thinking about is I want to be them. Right, like they're they're they they were in the same position I'm in. We're real good. They were real good, but then they walked the walk. I want to walk the walk. And Coach K's like, but the thing about a rivalry game is, even if one team's the underdog, big underdog, whatever, a real rivalry, the better team with championship aspirations can easily be upset. We see it across sports. Real rivalries are different, and Duke, North Carolina is a real rivalry. I mean, Hubert Davis ran some good stuff. I mean, there was some defensive action that Duke was in that they – I mean, they, North Carolina ran the same play offensively four times in a row, and they got the same shot. It kept working, yeah. So, we we uh, need to talk about a, a Dukey who was not in attendance. Dukey is always a hilarious way to – Yeah, I don't really yeah. like the Dukey. No, the only, the only time that that's okay – Where did that okay, come from, Jay? I don't know. The it only – it's poop there's to me. That, I don't like there's it. There's that, and there's Dookie from uh, The Wire. Number otherwise, two. Otherwise, you're not allowed to. You're not allowed <laughs> Why to. Why you play number two for me, Yates? I should have been number one. Number one. <laughs> Is shot. Key supposed to talk now? <laughs> All right, look. Jason Tatum was not in attendance. Another Duke player, but dropped 54 Sunday. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, Sunday. It was yesterday. Mm-hmm. As the Celtics beat the Nets. He tied Larry Bird, Larry Bird, for the most 50-point games in Celtics history with four. 
That doesn't even seem like a lot, Max, right? Yeah, well, back then, though, they didn't, you know, until MJ but, came around, but, they really weren't dropping but, 50. Yeah, I know, but, it, but okay, 50, if you told me, if you said to me, how many 50-point games you think Larry Bird had in his career? I'd probably say 10. But he may have, but it's four at home. So he could have had oh, six on the road. Oh, it's four at home. Yeah. Got it. Oh, Got no, it. no, 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 no. No, it's four no, all time. History. Yeah, you're right. I'm yeah. with Ricky. I would have guessed 10. You're right. Yeah, four yep. all time. I would have guessed 10. But Bird was a pure shooter, but he was also double-digit rebounds, a bunch of assists, the whole thing. But still. Yeah, but it's like LeBron. LeBron is not doesn't usually pop for 50, right? But he's a great all-around player. But anyway, Tatum's only 24 years old. Bird recorded his fourth career 50-point game in its 722nd career game. It took Tatum less than half that. Sunday was Tatum's 351st career game. Here is Jason Tatum on his performance. It's fun the way we play. Um, obviously, we've been on a good stretch. Um, everybody's been healthy. And uh, we're just having fun competing. You know, it wasn't always pretty today, but you know, everybody contributed, and we just figured it out. Those are the best wins when you just figure it out, find a way to win, however, you know, whatever it takes. And that's what we did. Jay, we were talking about this. You and I got into an ar- argument, but it was really on a misunderstanding when you said Kobe was you know, more skilled than Jordan, and you were being specific about skills. In every generation, the skills get more refined because mm-hmm. you build on the previous generation. Tatum nowadays, and everyone nowadays, shoots the three way better than they used to in the old days, right? Scoring by individuals seems to go up. Nowadays, like we just seen it in the last week, 56 points, 54 points. But I look at how guys are in their era and in this era and the coming era, we see a couple different faces that we go. That's the guy, right? Luca, Ja, Tatum, right? Is Tatum one of those guys? Yes, he's in that conversation. And I'm going to say this right now because I didn't know if we would see a wing player give off this type of energy. There there are some Paul Pierce vibes coming from Jason Tatum. Like, you know, people forget about Paul when he was younger, right? You see the older edition that trying to guard LeBron James and all the memes and stuff that are made about Paul. Paul was one of the most lethal scorers, I think, the game of basketball has seen for a while with a guy with that size in the frame. And just the way Jason Tatum has continued to develop, I mean, a couple of years ago, he was taking so many isolated shots and now when he's coming off his relationship with Kyrie, but I think the maturation of how he studied Kobe Bryant, those type of relationships, and also how this team flows playing-wise, Marcus Smart defensively, Jalen Brown, the way to utilize him, and the ownership of scoring that Jason Tatum has taken, his name is in that category with John Morant and Luka Doncic as the next face of the is NBA. Is there anyone else, like, let me give you the candidates, Trey Young, Jamal Murray, Devin Booker, LaMelo Ball. Is there anyone else that you would say is there with Tatum and Luka and Ja? I think guys are trailing. I still think there's a little bit of room to go. I mean, Jason Tatum hasn't been in the MVP conversation yet, whereas Luka and Ja have. But would you project, like, Anthony Edwards? Are there some guys you go, that dude is going to be one of those guys? There's a company. You got to think LaMelo Ball. Um, You know, Anthony Edwards. But there are levels to it, Key, like Luca, Ja, highest level of those young guys. And Jay is making the argument Tatum is in that tier. I think Tatum has grown 
over the last year and a half to two years. If you if you look back, uh, and he's still young, but if you look back three years ago, the questions would be, what is he? He's a good player. We know that. But is he a leader? If Will he take control? We know that he has some uh, aggressive to the cup behaviors, but is he going to be the guy at the end of the game that all of a sudden puts the entire stadium on his back and will his team to victory? Well, NBA, And that's what we were waiting on. ESPN NBA analyst Tim Legler Legs. is with us. Let's what bring up? him into this. Up, Legs, baby? he's giving you the straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Good morning, Tim. So, I mean, as much as like, oh, Ja's, but Ja hasn't done in the league what Tatum's already done in the league. Where is Tatum in the in the hierarchy of let's say under twenty five year old NBA stars? Uh, look, look, he's right there at the top um, or near the top. And here's what he's reminding me of right now. If you guys recall, two years ago, right about this time of the year, right before we shut everything down, Lakers. Jason Tatum was going insane. He was playing the best basketball in the NBA. Yep. Like he was he was ascending into MVP category talk. That's a great point. Was the best player for like a month straight when the league shut down. And I'm watching him now, and I'm going, man, he must really like this time of year because he's playing exactly the same way he was. But he's added some things, and I saw it yesterday. He's added the ability now to make that secondary move off the dribble. He was a one-dribble move guy, right? Like, I could go between my legs or cross over and get by your straight line. Now, if you cut that off, he He can go back to the other direction. Yesterday, he had a play where he split coming off a down screen Two defenders jumped him. He split it with a crossover and then absorbed contact at the rim, held the ball, and shot it right before he landed. I'm going, this guy has added to his game now. He's got the ability to counter great defense, and he didn't have that before. I mentioned it earlier in the show. I look at uh, Devin Booker. I look at Kyrie Irving. I look at the guys who remind me of Kobe Bryant. And there's like an and those guys have endless bags of counters, right? No matter what you defense does, they got a counter, another one. They keep making the adjustments. That's the highest level of offense, it seems to me. Yeah, I agree. And the other thing about those guys yesterday, Durant, so clearly at the top in this category, he's the only player in the league, I believe, this that you can't say you're going to have a bad possession if he's on the court because there is no shot that he takes that's a low percentage shot, right? There's mm-hmm. no shot you could force Kevin Durant into that you think that's a bad shot has a low chance of going in. There just isn't. He has an answer for everything. And I think Tatum is probably the closest guy because to be in that category, you have to have handle, shooting ability, and length. Because if you're not in that category, well, hey, because of your size sometimes, you end up in a tough spot like a Curry or a John Morant or like a guy like Joel Embiid who might be the MVP of this league. There are places on the floor you can force him that's advantageous to your defense. It's not the case with Kevin Durant, and right now it's not really the case with Jason Tatum. Physical strength, too. He can go anywhere he wants. Like, there's a, every time I watch the Celtics play, it feels like they give off this kind of vibe a little bit. It's like There's no doubt when I watch Golden State play, it's Steph Curry's team, right? But I know that Draymond is the engine for that team, and I kind of feel a little bit similar to Boston. Like, I, okay, I know it's Jason Tatum's team, but Marcus Smart – Yeah was also a guy at the beginning of the year was like, yo, y'all ain't passing the ball enough. Right. Like making these – and he, he, he's kind of the engine that drives that. Would you, would you agree with that oh, assessment? No question. And there are very few players, Jay, in the league that have the intestinal fortitude or the backing of their team 
to have the cachet to make a comment like that to your star players. It's just yeah. not the world we live in now. Right? Most guys, you just kind of show up, and you kind of accept every day that they're just going to play a certain way, and I guess it's just how it's going to be. Marcus Smart's going to nip that in the bud, and it has been something that has benefited Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. There's no question. The other thing I like about the Celtics a lot right now, and they're understated guys, mm-hmm. but they're so much smarter and more well-rounded by adding a Horford, a Tice bringing him back. Right, Derek White right. gives them depth. I just look at them. I take them more seriously. They're the number one ranked defensive team in the league over the last month. They're, I mean, they're, that's legitimate. They're fourteen and two in their last sixteen. They're clicking with their head coach. He's got a stamp on everything. I like a guy that's up the whole game. Look at Ime Udoka, coach. He's got his stamp on every possession. He's watching. He's seeing all ten guys at the same time. Beginning of the year, you had to wait and see. You know, feeling out process. This guy can coach. They're connected to him. They're legit, man. I think they've elevated themselves into the conversation. You go, okay, why couldn't you see the Boston Celtics yeah, making yeah. a run through the East? Yeah. I think there's five teams in that category. No, no, yeah, no knock on Tice, but Time Lord. And, it, like, you know, like <laughs> they, got some, they got some bodies for sure. How, how dangerous are they, Legs? They won eight out of the last ten. How dangerous are they? Yeah, 14 out of 16. I look at every team in the East, and if there's five teams to me that are all in that same hat. On a different day, you can pull, pull a team out of a hat. You go, okay, I can make an argument today why this is the team. Hmm. They're all in that category. Obviously, Philadelphia now we know. Um, we got to see more out of them. I want to see them play some heavyweights. Mm-hmm. I was really looking forward to see Harden play the Heat. Him sitting out really bothered me a lot. But let's see them play some heavyweights and see what that looks like with a better defensive game plan than what they've seen so far to guard those guys. Brooklyn, listen, they got the most left. on. They haven't shown their cards They've got so much more there because of what they haven't seen yet this year. Let's see if they can get it together. Why have Milwaukee, they lost four in a row, Legs? Why have the Nets lost four in a row? Well, I just think that it's a matter of the, what are they missing. They're missing two key things. And, look, I'm not going to put – Ben Simmons, we all know. we got a lot of issues with Ben Simmons, and we got to wait and see. He's got a lot of pressure on him. There's two things he does. One, he, he's going to provide a pace for them mm-hmm. that they don't have. But more importantly, I'm watching the game yesterday. Who was Jason Tatum operating against? Bruce Brown's a really good defender. Guess what? He's my size. Bruce ben Brown, Simmons is the best defender in the NBA? Well, he's, he's got he, he can guard five positions, Legs. Look at who's going to have to guard in the East, who, who that team's going to have to guard, potentially. Tatum, you need length. Uh, James Harden, Simmons would get him. Simmons would get Jimmy Butler. Simmons would get Chris Middleton. Simmons would get KD. Now he's on the same team. Yeah, exactly. Giannis, Giannis to a certain extent. Ben Simmons is – look, you're not shutting those guys down, but to have 6'10", Lateral quickness, hound, harass. Okay, it's a big deal. Yesterday, Jason Tatum got very comfortable because at the end of the day, even if Bruce Brown cut him off or Seth Curry, who had him in late game possessions, okay, at the end of the day, I'm going to rise up and shoot. He was playing with Seth Curry. You're so comfortable as a scorer knowing, but at the end of the day, when I release it, you can't contest it legitimately. Simmons answers all that. So that's, they need exactly what he's going to provide. Um, And look, they just got KD back. They just got him back. He reminded everybody yesterday, you got that dude, you're in the mix. So let me – all right, so we were talking about this because obviously LeBron had, you know, 50-plus over the weekend against yeah. Golden State. Um, and, we're like, people are starting to say now, well, okay, well, when AD comes back, if you can get Russ to kind of – if it's that roll off the bench. But at full strength, which team do you have more confidence in if they're healthy, the Lakers or the, or the Brooklyn Nets? Oh, no question, Brooklyn. Why? The big, I just think their, their pieces fit way better. better. Way better. So you don't see anything changing, even if the Lakers were to get everybody. See, that's me, Legs. No. These guys are trying to tell me, no, they're still – I'm like, I just don't see it. I think it. There's, a, there's a slim glimmer of hope, and that is 
AD, AD. comes back and the defense changes. Yeah, well, here's the thing. AD is he's a giant Band-Aid, okay? He's not a tourniquet. So let's, you know, let's be clear about that, okay? So, I mean, you got, you got some serious issues. Now, look, you know, it's been so long since they've played at that level, maybe he's going to remind us all, like, oh, that's right, it's AD, man. He's, he's like, really changes the game on both ends. I just don't like, you know what I don't like more than anything? I don't like their resolve collectively to fight through adversity. When I watched that team, and they, I was calling the game on ESPN Radio out there when LeBron did that the other night. It was one of the few times I've seen them all year go to the bench after a timeout when they're down double digits and actually come out of it and fight. Normally in that situation, they walk to the bench, no one's speaking to each other, their heads are down, their body language is terrible, and you know for a fact this is about to go to 25 here in the next six minutes. They actually fought. Maybe that's a good sign. Maybe it's because it was national TV, it was the Warriors, LeBron basically went vintage, right? I don't know. But I still don't have the faith that they've got the collective resolve and the chemistry you need, right, to be in that foxhole together that it's going to take to get through the Western Conference. Well, look, look at what you call the game, right, Legs? But the one guy that's there is the king. And if they're following his lead, like you said, and they're playing with desperation, and then they all of a sudden make this move and Westbrook buys in and he's going to be part of the second unit, I don't see why they couldn't make a push. I mean, they got LeBron damn James. I think what Frank Vogel did, even if they don't key send him to the bench, which I think that's going to be difficult for him to adjust to and accept, really accept, what he did do in that game, which he hasn't done a very good job of, I think, he had them rotating or um, you know, alternating minutes as the alpha. Now, obviously, they're going to start the game together. They're going to start the third quarter together, and they're going to finish the game together. You add that up, that's about 16 to 18 minutes. You can't avoid that. They're going to be on the court for that time. What about those other 12 to 15? And when LeBron was getting his rest, that's when you saw Russell Westbrook look like Russell Westbrook in Oklahoma City. Put his head down, turn the corner, go to the rim and attack without thinking about, is this the right thing to be doing right now? Because I think a lot of his problem has been, what lane am I in? He knows what lane he's in when LeBron's sitting over there, and I think Vogel did a much better job of that on Saturday. And if they can juggle that down the stretch and AD comes back, hey, maybe they'll convince me. But here's what they're going to convince me of. Okay, they're going to get out of the play-in, and then they're going to get a healthy Golden State, Phoenix. Golden State got their own issues. They do. But, again, I look at that team and talk about cards on the table. Klay Thompson is a shell of what he needs to be. He'll get there. Wiseman around the corner, no Draymond, no Iguodala. Problem. Okay, so they come back and you give them 10 games together at the end of the year. Golden State is still a team that can win it all. Yeah, so are the Grizzlies. <laughs> okay, there's a lot. There's so much uncertainty this year. That is Tim Legler, ladies and gentlemen. Always appreciate you, Tim. Enjoyed it. Our legs. By the way, Legler. in baseball, guys, they're not saying, they're not like booing. You know what they're doing? They're booing as in boo. Definitely wasn't the A material Ghost games. On that one. Ghost games. Oh, I got it. I got it. Ah, there it is. <laughs> Still didn't get it. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. 
Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Commissioner Rob Manfred announced that the league has canceled the first two series of the regular season. The clubs and our owners fully understand just how important it is to our millions of fans that we get the game on the field as soon as possible. Optimism was incredibly naive. No matter what side you're on, we can find criticism with both in terms of how they negotiated. Mm -hmm. Jesse Rogers, ESPN Major League Baseball reporter with us now. Good morning, Jesse. Good morning, guys. How are we doing? Well, you tell me. What's the latest? <laughs> What's in the latest proposal from the MLBPA to Major League Baseball, Jesse? I mean, it really isn't much different than what they left Florida with a, a week ago. Um, they moved a few million bucks on, on a pre-arbitration pool. You guys don't need to get in the weeds on the numbers. They, they're dug in. The, the, both sides are dug in. And both sides have tried to make their case you know, privately and publicly, publicly. And, you know, in their own bubble... You could probably say, okay, I guess you're right about that. You're right about that. You're right about that. But you have to come together and find an agreement here. And I just, it just continues to be the same thing over and over again. Um, the union saying we've made all these concessions towards the league, and they're not necessarily wrong. But the league saying, you know what, we've done the same, and they're not necessarily wrong. Again, it's kind of like the letter of the law. Each side can make its case and not necessarily be called a liar per se. But we, we still have some big issues that remain. And yesterday, after the PA and, 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 and baseball met, there wasn't much movement in the proposal. Um, the league put out a statement, and it said, simply put, we are deadlocked. The union responded in kind, saying, well, we're deadlocked because you will not listen to us. We have we have conceded on all these issues, yet you're not moving enough. And, of course, again, the league disagrees with that. So that word deadlock was interesting because – you know, there could be a, a, some, some other recourses here that they take, including declaring an impasse. That would be a whole other issue. But right now, we haven't really seen any movement since a week ago today when they had that big 16-and-a-half-hour negotiating session. That was the closest we came to something happening, and we're still far apart. But, but Jesse, I'm so curious about that on the MLBA, uh, MLBPA. Uh, even went backwards when they said, you know, simply we are deadlocked, and that he's putting that out in the public like why when can the sides meet again like what do you think that means they can meet daily but um 
you know, there's there's a thing that they could declare, and it's called the impasse. Uh, and it, and it, you know, it just it's not a word; it has meaning behind it. If the league decides declare to, to declare an impasse, then technically, what they can do is institute the rules from their last offer, which was last Tuesday in Florida. But that would trigger a whole set of issues, labor problems, would end up in court and all this stuff. But you have to negotiate in good faith. Maybe ask for the mediator, which they've done a couple times before you can declare an impasse. So it's possible they're setting things up to do that. Um, but you don't want to get to that because that becomes really nasty. So they could meet again today in New York. We'll see. But, again, both sides are so dug in. What are you supposed to do when one, one, you know, one side says the sky is blue and the other side says no, and then the other side says something just as obvious and the other side says no? So. I don't know where they go from here, but somebody has to make a major concession to get this thing moving. And that would be probably on the competitive balance tax or maybe this big pre-arbitration pool. The pre-arbitration pool, for people that don't know, again, you don't have to get into the weeds. But right now, the union wants $80 million in it. The league is up to 30 And that's with movement from both sides. They're $50 million apart on a major new thing they want to institute and we're at this late date and they're still 50 million apart well, 50 million so you mean of, of where they are 50 million league-wide permanently is it yearly is it per team what are we talking about that's 50 million yearly in a in a league-wide bonus pool that talking, would go to play young players we're basically. talking the about a young mi- players we're talking about a million and a half per team difference right yeah right and it's chump change right. it's and, chump change and it's not right. There, there are some. There's some issues that you would think. Come on, come on, league. You can move. Come on, owners. You can move the competitive balance tax. Why punish owners that actually want to spend on players instead of spending on a tax? I well, get that. Yeah. But I, 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 let me just finish. I've talked to agents and players that also say, "Hey, if we're not sitting out for the biggest of things, meaning free agency or arbitration, like big, big things, why are we sitting out for a few million dollars?" We're losing a few million dollars every day we sit out in salary. So, again, I could see both sides being, being, being upset for different reasons and both sides needing to compromise even more. Yeah, it seems to me like one of the things what I was going to say is you, what you were referring to earlier. seems like one of those things you can put on the table to negotiate away if it's only a million and a half a year a team, given the economy of Major League Baseball, and then baseball could get something they want. It's, it feels like they should be able to work this out, but so far, no dice. Um, yeah, yeah, you're right. They, they should. There's a path there. For some reason, it hasn't been taken yet. Now, now, and here's the other point. It's possible the path of waiting has been strategic from either side or both sides. That is possible. That it, the fact that they haven't gotten this done makes me believe part of the strategy is to delay. And, it, and, and the strategy could be on the player side. It could be on the owner side. I don't want to believe that. I know there's some owners that are okay with sitting out in April. I don't think it's the majority. I think there are some player reps or agents or union officials that don't mind pushing the owners to the brink um, not playing in April, but I don't think it's the majority either. So that could be part of the strategy as well as everything else that's going on. Jesse Rogers, ESPN Major League Baseball reporter. Before I let you go, the $64,000 question. Well, that's what they would say in the old days, $64,000 question. Nowadays, the economy of baseball is $10 billion, so the $10 billion question. When could Rob Manfred begin to cancel more games? Oh, I think in the next 24 hours. I think it's a weekly thing. He did it last Tuesday. 
Um, I could see them doing it at the beginning of every week. So today, maybe they just you know do it on Tuesday every week. But yes, in short order, he will take down another week of games or another series, whatever, however he wants to, to break it down. And, and at that point, we're into mid-April, right? And um, I still think the deal's going to be done. I said my, my window was kind of the 7th to the 20th, so that's today to the 20th. It's kind of a large window. I, I, if we're not, if we're not, we don't have a deal in the next week or ten days, man. I don't know when we're going to have one. So I do expect another week to come down from the regular schedule, though, very soon. Thanks, Jesse. Appreciate it. You got it, guys. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus. Their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. The Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max Podcast. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. So as I was saying, the Cowboys uh, are likely to release Amari Cooper per Adam Schefter and keep Michael Gallup and tight end Dalton Schultz. Key, is that the right move for them? Well, I think it is. If you can't get a deal done, Max, and, and he didn't want to take a pay cut, then, yeah, Dalton Schultz is a big part of their passing game. We saw Michael Gallup. Michael Gallup is coming back off injury, which could be cheaper, interesting, and I'm with the medicine the way things are now, you, you expect for a, a full recovery. And then, obviously, there's C.D. Lamb that's sitting there in the passing game. So if they couldn't come to some sort of deal, then, yeah. Makes all the sense in the world. And it's interesting if you think about opportunities for where Amari Cooper can go to. I mean, you throw out the name like the Baltimore Ravens, right, with Lamar Jackson. It becomes interesting with Hollywood Brown being their number one receiver option. Like, what would that do, giving him that additional weapon? Plus, with the way he comes back and the way he utilizes his feet, uh, considering his health, I mean, it could be a quick turnaround for the Baltimore Ravens. We could be talking about them in next year's Super Bowl. Yeah, he's a legit number one, it seems to me, which is something Lamar's never really had. Hey, Key, real quick. Could he end up wearing 19 for the Jets? Would, would you oh, be okay no. with that? He'd be the best guy to ever wear 19 with the Jets. Key, you would, do, you would give him Zach Wilson? That's what you would do to Amari Cooper? I don't think Amari Cooper would do that to himself. He's already <laughs> the best 19 with the Cowboys. Did you even have a number? Ah, get him. Get him. Don't let him off the hook, Key. But no. I think it, it, it would be interesting if the, the Jets – it would be interesting if the Jets would pursue it. It would be interesting to see if he would, if they would pursue it because they need some help for that young QB. Yeah, I mean, I, do you believe that Amari Cooper is still a number one? To me, he, oh yeah, absolutely, I think he is. Yeah, for yep. sure. He yep. did, look, man, it, it, just because he didn't have fifteen hundred yards receiving doesn't mean that he's not a number one. Yeah, I, to me, the question <laughs> is: Are you a big enough target who can get open 
right? Like this dude gets open. He he wins his matchup. But key this this, and I'm sorry I do this, but it just brings back if you say okay, the, the Cowboys are a running team, obviously with Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott, and they have all these incredible wide receiver options. Doesn't that come back to the QB? Mm. On a guy like no, well, not we're, we're, we're questioning whether Amari Cooper can be a one, but doesn't that come back to the QB and the way they utilize him? Got a lot of no, Amari just, Cooper. Just, Amari Cooper did targets. fine last year. He was out of the lineup. I, I missed some time due to COVID, um, but his number is so high that they don't want to pay that. If he'd have taken less money, I'm sure he wouldn't be on the cutting chop chopping block, so to speak. That's why Key's good with him getting 19 on the Jets because of how well he played, right? Yeah. <laughs> Jason, I give you 19. <laughs> Jason Tatum coming up at 9:30 a.m. Eastern. He's talking to us here on KJM. So Baltimore Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson said he still has something to prove. I don't know if anyone's noticed this, but he is an African-American quarterback in the NFL. Really? Yeah. He is? I don't. I don't. Hey, Key, I don't see race, so it didn't even occur to me. I didn't know. <laughs> like, <you> know <laughs> One of those. Yeah, people want to be post-racial. It's like, who, who's fighting? Um, who, who's, who, which one is Williams? He's the, uh, the uh, bald one. But they're both bald. Which one? You know, the, know. the one in the red trunks. Yeah, but they're kind of both wearing red trunks. Is it the black dude or the white dude, damn it? <laughs> As they say, if he, ran, he can run three times, I'd vote for him three times. Got it. <laughs> so this is Lamar Jackson, Key, J, addressing this issue during an appearance on LeBron James' YouTube interview show, The Shop, which had its season premiere Friday. There's a lot of history with them not wanting black guys to play quarterback. In football? They, you know, yeah. Tons of history. It started with, oh, they can't think quick enough. This, this, like, this is going way back, 70s, 80s. And it's still, it's dying Every day, off. y'all give me more reasons to. It's dying off, but it's still there. It's still there. That's why I need that championship. That's why I need that championship. He's talking about winning a championship to disprove a negative stereotype, right? Like, it, it, it's... That that's a real thing he's talking about. Yeah, there's been other black quarterbacks that have participated in the Super Bowl. Obviously, Doug Williams won the Super Bowl, but the Cam Newtons, Donovan McNabb's have appeared in the Super Bowl, and it goes history. It goes all the way back, and it's just not about the thinking of. Um, it, it's it's not being able to process. It's all of those things in their minds, the middle of the field for many years was considered the smart part of the field, right? The center, the fullback, the quarterback, the middle linebacker, the safety. That Those were the people that controlled uh, the information that was given to the players so they can give what people would say were not the smart guys that information. I think for Lamar, though, he feels the pressure of having to prove as a black quarterback with a certain unique skill set, that he has to win a Super Bowl to get rid of or dispel to a degree that little bit of a narrative. Um, It goes all the way back again, Max and Jay, in the history of the NFL. It's not just about the smarts. It's also was to allow a white quarterback to play because they couldn't play another position. Many people don't even remember Jefferson Street Gilliam who played for the Pittsburgh Steelers with Terry Bradshaw. There would be no Terry Bradshaw if Jefferson Street Gilliam did not get into trouble. 
He was a black quarterback. Uh, it had a lot of off-the-field issues and substance abuse, things of that nature. And that gave way to Terry Bradshaw. It, it's just it's mind-boggling. There has been other black quarterbacks that have had success. Shaq Harris comes to mind, but has never won a championship. And until then, they're going to always – it's just the, the, the nature of the beast, man. They're going to always uh, look for the negative in the black quarterback. Always. No matter what they do, it, it's going to be a problem. Isn't Patrick Mahomes black? Patrick Mahomes is black. Okay. And Patrick Mahomes so, won Super Bowl and an MVP. Yes. So, so they don't and say a Super Bowl MVP. And a Super Bowl MVP. And we're talking and about him as one of the greatest MVP. quarterbacks potentially to ever play the game. He's been – we've had Jeff Darlington on the show comparing him to Michael Jordan. People have said that this team could be undefeated. So, like, I, I think I, – I understand the history for sure. But, like, it, it's also, hey – that's happening right now. Like, that's a, that's a real thing right now. I don't know if as Which many people. Which part is a real thing, Jay? That Patrick Mahomes is a black quarterback who is a Super Bowl champion. Russell who's Wilson. An MVP. Like, and I get the history of it, but I feel like this conversation has a little bit more to do with the style of how Lamar Jackson plays with the addition of the black quarterback. But it's more so I feel like the style outweighs – like but the, but yeah, that may be. But I think Lamar Jackson's talking about what he feels. Yeah, about as, what he feels. Like what the way it, I agree with you, Jay. Primarily, it's like, can you win in that style? Can Lamar Jackson consistently find guys down the field? All that stuff. But what he's saying there, separate and apart from that, he feels it's important for him to win a Super Bowl because of this pernicious negative stereotype. And that right? style, he wants to dis- help dispel it. I, I, I understand, and that but style I, I just dispelled it to around. a degree. Yeah, well, well, I just okay. dispelled it to a degree. It's so, a, like, that's it's something almost like, um, and I, I get like we want more people to recognize that, but I am trying to bring awareness about what is right here, what we're watching, what we're witnessing. Hmm. But all of a sudden, it doesn't seem like I'll be very real with everybody. Like in the black community, like are we? It's like Mike McDaniel. Like, is he black? Is he white? Like, he's mixed. Like, are it? Are it, it's like are black people going to accept him in the black community as being black? Like, are, do I we accept I don't Patrick? Necessarily- Know that Mike McDaniel identifies himself as Black Jay. Okay, but it ain't I mean, a matter of. But it's here's not my a matter thing. of whether or not we accepting in the Black community. It's whether or not do you accept yourself. Understood, but he is mixed at the end of the day. Correct. We know what he is. So, uh, but like, all right. So that's what I'm asking. Like, do we accept? Is Patrick Mahomes part of the Black community? Key. Yes. Okay. So, like. In my mind, but I he accepts like, himself as being black, Jay. He doesn't. I'm not turning the conversation to that. What I'm turning the conversation is to like that dispels a lot of the stuff that. But it's interesting that if he feels ongoing that thing, <laughs> that means that there is like like even when Key refers to a quarterback in the past who was black and had off the field issues, there's always this sense of I agree with representing. That an entire oppressed race as opposed to just being able to live your life and have your career. And Lamar feels some of that, he's but saying. But I'm, I'm not dispelling that, guys. Mm-hmm. No, like you guys here, are arguing different things. Hold on, Key. I'm not dispelling that. I understand what he feels. What I'm doing is setting a narrative for everybody right now. Like That is being dispelled. We're seeing that in Patrick yeah. Mahomes. Mm-hmm. You know what's interesting about We're that? Seeing King? that, no, but I agree. It's a different. It's a different skill set. I, that's why. That's why I said Patrick it has to do Mahomes, more with skill set. You're looking at Patrick Mahomes, who is more of the traditional uh, white quarterback, a little more accepting than yes. a Cam Newton, Jalen Hurts, 
Lamar Jackson, Michael Vick. Yes. Okay, Russell Wilson is more in aligned with a traditional style quarterback. So it is a little more accepting no, than it is those guys. This is why Lamar Jackson feels he needs to win a Super Bowl the way that his style is opposed to trying to do something other people want him to do. That's, that's why I said. Yeah. That's why I said right off the bat, it feels like this is more, a little bit more skill set. But even that style is tied to race that's because true. that Absolutely. was the step. Absolutely, you know, one hundred percent. It's a really interesting conversation. We should have it more. And by the way, I've pointed out several times proliferation of the black quarterback in the NFL has coincided with the absence of black head coaches. And I've always felt, even if it's an unconscious thing, those two things are related. The camera goes to the quarterback and the coach. And if all of a sudden the camera's seeing a lot of black faces at quarterback, then they also see it on the sidelines. I think there's some anxiety somewhere in these owners, whether it's conscious or not, that they don't want to be perceived as a black lead. Jason Tatum joins Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, 9.30 a.m. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.